Hey Bloom, this is Seth. I wanted to give a quick disclaimer about this week's episode. Because of Denver's stay-at-home order, um, we've all had to record our different parts remotely, which means that the prayer and the scripture readings were recorded on our phones, and um, our scripture discussion was recorded um, via FaceTime. So you will hear some background noise, um, but we hope to continue to get better with, um, with this if we have to keep doing this remotely in the coming weeks. So... I hope you're still able to engage, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks. Grace and peace to you, Bloom. Welcome to Lent 5 and our guided liturgy podcast. Our hope for these podcasts is that you would be drawn into the presence of Christ through the rhythms of the church, through prayers, confession, centering on scripture, and that your life in Christ be deeper and more beautiful in these times. I have with me, as usual, Seth Slay, Dulce Booth, and Taryn Jost. Do you guys want to say hi? Hello. Hello. We're actually doing this over FaceTime because the state has issued a stay-at-home order. We're doing our part to make sure that people in our state stay safe, that the vulnerable are protected, and that we move back to normal life as quickly as possible. We also have with us this morning Bill Tybert, who serves as a preacher at Bloom, and he will be bringing the scripture reflection to us. Good morning, Bill. Morning, morning. Glad to be with you. That was actually our 20th take of that introduction because I kept <laughs> getting interrupted by Seth Slay. So what we will do in this podcast, as we have in the others, is work through a liturgy of morning prayer that resembles what we do when we gather on Sunday mornings as a community. So we'll go through confession, prayers, a scripture meditation, and we'll also have a song, an original song that Seth has recorded that was written by our arts and music community. So it's good to be together virtually, and uh, are you all ready to begin our liturgy? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Ready. Bloom, let's confess our sin together. God shows us his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let us then show our love for him by confessing our sin in penitence and faith. In the wilderness, we find your grace. You love us with an everlasting love. Lord, have mercy. There is none but you to uphold our cause. Our sin cries out and our guilt is great. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Heal us, O Lord, and we shall be healed. Restore us and we shall know your joy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sin, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Creation pulsing from your heart 
Bloom, let's join together now with the church worldwide and say the prayer of the day together. Almighty God, you alone can bring into order the unruly wills and affections of sinners. Grant your people grace to love what you command and desire what you promise, that among the swift and varied changes of the world, our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please join me for the prayers. We pray to the Lord for grace to open ourselves up to Jesus this Lent. Give your church the courage to give up her preoccupation with herself and give more time to your mission in the world. Lord, meet us in the silence. Give us strength and hear our prayer. Give your world the courage to give up war, bitterness, and hatred, and to seek peace. Lord, meet us in the silence. Give us strength and hear our prayer. Give us the courage to give up quarrels, strife, and jealousy in our families, neighborhoods, and communities. Lord, meet us in the silence. Give us strength and hear our prayer. Give us the courage to give up selfishness as we live for others and to give time, care, and comfort to the sick. Lord, meet us in the silence. Give us strength and hear our prayer. Give us the courage to give up our fear of death and to rejoice with those who have died in faith. Lord, meet us in the silence. Give us strength and hear our prayer. We remember those who are sick. We remember those who care for the sick. We remember those who are afraid. We remember those who are alone. And we remember those who are without. Lord, meet us in the silence. Give us strength and hear our prayer, here and in eternity. Amen. Hear a reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 11. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, 
A short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, 
Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. These stories that the church has given us in the season of Lent really are beautiful. They're people that that meet the life and the presence of Christ in a way that changes them and, and their society forever. Bill, as you've sat with this passage, would you just take a moment to give us you, your thoughts and where this has led you? What have you, what have you seen in this passage? What do you think it has for us in this season of Lent and in this season that we're in in our world? Um, yeah. Would you mind just sure. giving us all, give us all your wisdom in, in, in five yeah. minutes? <laughs> um, well, as with all texts, the fundamental issue is how do we enter into it? And uh, whenever we read scripture, there's a variety of levels. Uh, two of them would be historical and the other would be what I would call symbolic or metaphorical. And so uh, in reflecting on this passage, I want to focus on four phrases from the story that I think help us to enter into it uh, today for our own lives. The first one is the phrase, if only. Both Mary and Martha uh, are asking the question, if only you'd been here, Jesus. Our brother wouldn't have died. Your friend wouldn't have died. And even when that word isn't using, used, in, if only, the disciples are asking the question, well, why didn't you go when you heard that he was ill? I think about that, and I think many of us, experience if-onlys in our life. If only this hadn't happened, if only I hadn't made that decision, if only God had shown up in this way. And we get stuck there. And part of what this passage tells us is that God's plans and purposes are not, are not the same as ours, and God's timing is not the same as ours. There's something going on that is even greater than Jesus' friendship with Lazarus and Martha and Mary. The second phrase is, if you believe. What Jesus is saying in his interaction with Martha in particular is, if you believe. Martha responds by saying, I do believe. I believe you are the Messiah. I believe in the resurrection. But Jesus is calling Martha to something deeper than just what we would call belief. Belief is a what word. What do you believe? But the word in Greek, pistis, is not really only about what, but it's also about who. It's a faith word. It's a trust word. So the real, the real issue is not what do you believe, but who do you believe in? And what Jesus is saying to Martha and to Mary, and I think to us as well, is that trust unlocks the future and the new life and allows it to come into the present, which is what happens in the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. 
his future comes rushing into the present in the midst of any and all circumstance that we are facing. The third one is a phrase that isn't in the text uh, in the way that Taryn read it, but it's from the King James Word, and I just like it. He stinketh. <laughs> well, and why does that stand out to me? Because I think if we are going to follow Jesus, we're going to go into places that stink. Mm. And right now we're in a stinky place. And so Christians have the opportunity because of the new life in Christ, because we live as resurrection people, to actually become agents of that new life in and around us. And throughout the history of the church, the church has time and time again gone into places that just stink and brought the fragrance of new life. And then the fourth phrase is unbind him and let him go. I find that interesting. Even though Lazarus was raised, he still had his grave clothes all around him. And oftentimes when people come to new life in Christ, they still have their grave clothes around them. Mm -hmm. And I find it interesting that Jesus is saying to the people there, you, you go and you unbind him. And I think that's what he's saying to us. We're to go to people who are still caught in the grave clothes of their lives and find ways to unbind them and let them go, to set them free, to live in the new life and the love that is found in Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. So that's about it. Uh, those are the thoughts that I have. I just keep thinking, like, this is such a well-timed scripture, not just for, like, what we're going through now, but even as we're, like, shaking off winter, that there's just this call to new life and to even removing the death clothes and removing the clothes that we've been wearing all winter. I just got new chicks, so I'm very in this mindset of spring right now and of, like, new life and... Um, I, I just, I love that that's what Jesus is about is like calling life out of death or calling new things out of things we thought were too far gone. Um, so it's just really encouraging. Right now. Yeah, I agree. I think for me, um, I really resonate with that first phrase that you talked about, Bill, the if only, and I think about how Mary and Martha both responded um, following the if only, if only, and then um, is it Martha that goes on to say, but I know that whatever you ask, you know, can still be done. I think I, the conviction that I experience when I hear that is if I'm at the if only place, it's easier for me to get stuck in the bitterness of that versus naming it and still proclaiming this belief, this essence of trust. Um, I'm curious. I'm curious what Mary and Martha were anticipating and if they were anticipating anything at all. I just recognize in my own life how easy it is to not move past the if only part of that statement because I think it's important, right? I mean, just because we don't say it doesn't mean that it's not there in our hearts. So to be able to say, if only, like, this is what I'm feeling. If only you would have been here. I love the honesty of that. Um, but I think for me, the part that I want to really lean into is 
what does it look like to follow that with a statement of trust and belief um, in not knowing what is going to come out of that or, or what's to follow. Um, and that is, I think, where we experience life, even in a painful or dark situation yeah. where we're acknowledging, like, this isn't, this isn't going the way I was really hoping it was going to go. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really beautiful, Taryn. And, uh, and I think one of the things you said that we sometimes don't realize is that the the doubt of if only can can be there side by side with the statement of trust right you know and and if you if you only focus on the if only you do get stuck but if you can move into trust mm-hmm. not knowing what it's going to be then it that in and of itself can be an incredibly freeing yeah i love that i've been watching the news lately, obviously, as most people are. And uh, one thing that has been really hard to watch are the stories of people who have died completely alone Mm -hmm. because their families and their loved ones aren't allowed in the room with them because of quarantine and how lonely an experience of death that would be. It's really, Janie and I just sat with that. It's, it's been heartbreaking to hear. And I was, I was asked uh, by a counselor this week, uh, how many times a week do I contemplate death? Really, like, where am I on the existential scale? And um, I told her about four or five times a day. I think she thought that was a little, a little much. But I have thought, I've thought about it as I'm sure that all of us have more in what we're going through. So I've tried to be present with my kids. I've been enjoyed the time, even in the middle of the night when I have to, to wake Parker up and, and feed him. And just being with my family has been so much more beautiful and, and full. And I, I think to come around to where I was at first, you know, the people that we live with are the people that we die with. They're the ones who will stand by our side in that time. Death is so intimate. And I, what hits me about this story is that Jesus walks into perhaps the most vulnerable and intimate space that we can be in as humans, death. And even there, he brings the fullness of who he is, which is presence and kindness. He attends to this man. He is honoring to this man. He raises this man. He brings life to this man. That intimate presence that's that's willing to go with us into those most intimate, scary, lonely, hard places of our lives, namely the end of our life, is the one who's with us now. Janie and I, most of the time in this whole situation, we don't have a prayer for the world or for the church except Christ be with us. Be with us in this lonely time. Be with us in this scary time. Be with the ones who are alone. Be with the ones who are scared. And be with the ones 
who are dying and who have died. Have you noticed in our liturgy how there's always that we pray for those who have died? Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of like, I think we don't know what to do with it at times, but it, it's situations like this that show us what that actually means. Christ hold all of us, the living and the dead, hold us in our lonely times and in our intimate times and in the times that we don't understand what's happening. Hold the ones who are alone even now in hospital rooms across the world. Hold them. Be present with them. I, that prayer has been made more beautiful to me in this time. Mm-hmm. And the story, Bill, I love what you said about it. That it's it's this it's the kindness and it's the divinity of Christ and the humanity of Christ, the healing presence of Christ that that walks into this place with this man, and it's beautiful. I'm, I um, have two, well, both of my parents were nurses, but my mom was a hospice nurse for years. Um, and your story just kind of reminds me of something I have been thinking about, the people being alone in the hospitals. It just, it breaks something really deep in me. And I think it's that same fear that it's tapping into that I watched when my Nana died. Um, she died in our home, just of natural causes. Um but she did. She had no faith system, and the amount of fear she had looking at her own death—it was just really sobering to me. Um, but I remember just saying, like, asking my mom, like, "How do you deal with this? How do you deal with, you know, all of your patients die? You know, that's pretty much what hospice is." And she just said, "You know, two times in your life." you are absolutely alone when you're born and when you die. And like, you have to work that out and you have to see that like you, she sees, she saw that fear over and over as people were facing their own death. And um, so that's just been a thought I've had. And I think that's part of why I feel like this is so well-timed Bill, this particular scripture, because Jesus was in that process. Like, um, I don't know. It makes something that feels really lonely. feel like it's a, it's a community thing. Um, as weird as that sounds, but, um, yeah, that's just, what's been kind of killing me too, Dave, is the people being alone as they die. And just knowing that Jesus is seeing that and responding to that, maybe not in the timing I want, um, but that he is present with all of that. There's another, uh, phrase in this text that I didn't talk about, but I, is particularly meaningful to me. It's, Jesus wept, you know, and you wonder, okay, if he knew what he was going to do, he knew where this is going to be, why does he weep? Yeah. And, there, and you know, there's no definitive answer to that. But the very first funeral that I did was a funeral for my sister-in-law who died on Easter Sunday morning um, as a young woman. And in the Presbyterian liturgy, we start out with the, this witness to the resurrection and at that service, I asked the question, well, why does Jesus weep? And I, I think he weeps because he weeps for humanity. He, he weeps for the, the, this is not the way it's supposed to be. People are not supposed to die alone. People are not supposed to right. die young. You yeah. know, people are not supposed to go through that. Death really is an enemy. There's a, there's a lot of people who go around saying death is a friend. The scriptures say death is an enemy that needs to be defeated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and I think this is a demonstration that in the long in the long haul, Jesus does in fact do that. I actually really love that this story in Scripture is kind of it has come up during this time because it's you see Jesus coming into this situation where his friend has died, and he's. I think, like Bill said, it's like we're we're looking at he he sees humanity and the brokenness of it and how this is not how it's supposed to be. Um, and I think we're all kind of seeing that right now. We're like, this is just not right. Like, mm-hmm. the world around yeah. us is kind of falling apart, and we're like, we're we're noticing the disconnect of like how it should be and how it actually is. Yeah, I just think this it this comes at a really interesting time. This passage where we can just kind of see this juxtaposition of our own life and our own world with um, kind of what what Jesus was thinking through and what these people were thinking through with Lazarus. Yeah, this this concept of engagement with the world and with brokenness, spirit that we see in Christ of, of approaching the places of death, bringing life into them both physically and and spiritually and emotionally, of course. Bill, as we seek to live out full lives in Christ, as we you know, live into a, a deeper expression of, of the incarnational reality of Christ among us, what have you thought about what this means for Bloom? Where have you, where have you been led to pray for Bloom? Well, especially in light of, of people's reactions to, to everything, I mean, one of the reactions from spiritual leaders in our country has been to downplay it and make it as if it's nothing. And mm-hmm. and at the other end of the spectrum, there are people who are so afraid. They, they make it more than it is, if you can do that. But they get caught up in the fear. I, I think that this text, this story is in... Jesus is using this to invite us to put our trust in him in the midst of it, to do what's mm-hmm. prudent and to yeah. do what's wise. Don't be stupid, <laughs> you know, but in as many ways as we can to be agents of hope. I think mm-hmm. doing this podcast, I think uh, doing some of the things that are being done online with Bloom are, are all efforts to say, well, as a as a church as a as a community of faith we're going to try in as many way possible to be agents of hope and i think we can do that individually through our connections i mean i i it's just it's interesting to me the amount of uh, connection that has taken place either by text messages or by facebook and i suppose if i was a young person it would be on Twitter and other things, but I don't understand any of that kind of stuff. <laughs> but people reaching out to each other to be agents of hope and to be agents of of life and and calling each other to live as resurrection people. I think that's what God is calling us to be at Bloom, is to be agents of hope and resurrection. Yeah, and... And for some of us, it's going to be some dark stuff. I mean, a friend of mine's younger brother just died a couple of days ago mm. of the virus. And it's a dark place for him right now. Yeah. So I can't go be with him. How do I reach out to him and, and, and in a sense, put my arms of love around him and say, you know what? There is a God 
There is a God who loves this world. You know, and that's the other thing. It's not just about saving people. It's about saving this world. It's not just about the death that's, that happens when a person dies. It's this is happening to a, to a world, to yeah. the earth. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. is what God is, is ultimately going to redeem. That's right. Not just persons, but everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just there's a lot in the story. And it's timely because we see the heart of Christ towards suffering and towards death and the reaction that he has. And so the invitation is is for us, Bloom, to embody Christ in beautiful ways, in new ways, in ways that draw us into the suffering and into the places that are hard. Christ lives in us and through us, and he brings healing, and he brings peace, he brings presence. So Bloom, may you go forward living full lives in Christ, allowing yourselves to be drawn deeper into his heart and to be beautiful expressions of life and healing wherever he draws you. And so Bloom, gathering our prayers and our praises into one, let us pray as Christ our Savior taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, you humbled yourself in taking the form of a servant and in obedience died on the cross for our salvation. Give us the mind to follow you and to proclaim you as Lord and King to the glory of God the Father. Amen. And Bloom, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and bring you peace. And may the peace of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be among you and remain in you always. Go in peace to love and serve Jesus.